Well, Heidi and I are very, very honored to be here. We always appreciate when Pastor Mark gives us a, a call and an invitation. Of course, we're praying for uh, your pastors, Mark and Brenda, as they're ministering today and throughout uh, the week or however long they're in South America and Peru. And know the hand of the Lord is on them for good. And uh, we're just always excited with the way they convey of God's love and goodness and mercy and grace and hope and help and provision and blessing. And so we know the people of Peru are very, very blessed uh, throughout their ministry there this week. But, uh, well, since Pastor Mark's not here today, you've got to put up with me. You know, some, some days are just like that, you know. You've got to just walk by faith. Hey, it was great to have Heidi here and, of course, have her share at the ladies' meeting yesterday. I hope you enjoyed, enjoyed that. Enjoyed her story of God's great love and just redemption. Wow. Those of you that missed it, I think you can get it. Uh, they have it back there. I think it's free of charge from yesterday's meeting. I think it'll, it'll thrill your heart. So, uh, so get a hold of it. Hey, some good things are happening in your life, whether you know it or not. God's working behind the scenes. Now, you may not have the full story of the good news yet, but it's on its way. You know, I just got news this week of something I've been working on for a long, long time. And God's put something together that thrilled me just uh, about four days ago. I can't even tell you about it yet. I told your pastor, though, a couple of days ago on the phone, and so he's uh, known all along. So uh, I'm, I'll tell you real soon. It's, it's so exciting. You know, the love of the Father. It's, it's, about, it's about things getting a hold of your heart. Treasures. See, what ought to get a hold of your heart is God's love for you. Ought to capture you in such a way that makes you a little goofy. You know what I mean? Just, just puts a goofy grin on your face. Kind of... Kind of gives you just kind of a loaded feeling. You know what I mean? Just like, hallelujah. The love of God in Christ is indescribable. You can't escape it. You know, you can say, run, baby, run. But listen, you just can't run fast enough and far enough. Because wherever you're exhausted, God will be there. You can't even go to hell to escape it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bible says the love of God's in the framework of anywhere you ever go. It's indescribable. It's inexhaustible. Yes, it is. And when it grips you, it makes you. It's thrilling. So you ready today? I don't know if I am, but I'm gonna try. Hey, let me say thanks, not this week, but next week, I'm uh, back to the Middle East. I'm back to Beirut, Lebanon. It's cool. Going to be working with Syrian refugees. People absolutely overwhelmed by the war. It's awesome. Because we share the love of the Father and they believe it. They receive it. Scores and scores and scores and scores and scores, hundreds and hundreds coming to the Lord. It's cool. Anyway, that's what you're doing as a church just because you hang out here. Just, just because you choose to come to church. Just because you choose to come and receive the love of the Father and, and be taught and, and have relationships and laugh together and rejoice together and believe God together and decree things together. Just because you're planted here, I know about your future. It looks good. Just because you're planted in this place, I, I can promise you, your life is flourishing. Hallelujah. 
It's flourishing in every way. Just because you're hanging out here, things like this happen, what you're going to see in Beirut, Lebanon, because you all have made it happen through your gracious giving to your local church. So let's watch this. What a joy to have a debt-free Middle East Life Center campus in the heart of Beirut, Lebanon. We are so grateful for the many friends and partners who have prayed and given financially to make this a reality. And now, the ministry continues to grow stronger and stronger, reaching thousands of lives in this war-torn region of the world. Currently, the Mutual Faith Lebanon team reaches and teaches about 80 kids each day in our Spring of Life School where academics and mentoring are bringing profound change and hope to many of these Muslim and refugee children. Refugee outreach, with the turbulence in neighboring Syria and the thousands of refugees that filter into Lebanon, the Mutual Faith Life Center is a hub for help and hope, feeding, clothing, and providing medical care on our Life Center campus. Ministry groups, Mutual Faith Lebanon hosts groups and interns, up to 60 guests at a time, from the Middle East, Europe, and the United States for short-term ministry outreaches. Encouragement and training. Encouraging pastors and training future leaders in our seminars and Life Leadership Institute. Broadcasting live TV events, concerts, orchestras, and conferences from the Middle East Life Center throughout the region. And Kingdom Fiesta, the annual three-day event to celebrate God's unconditional love for people throughout the Middle East. Hundreds of people are receiving the love of the Father, and we're so thankful for those of you who help make all of this financially possible. Together, as we join our faith, we can change our world. Well, isn't that good news? Praise the Lord. Well, friends, that's what you've been up to just because you're planted in this place. So again, thanks for being a part and planted here at Heart of the Bay. Uh, your, your love and life is making a difference. You know, I tell everybody, whether I'm in the Bay Area or whether I'm in the Middle East, wherever I'm around the world, I always tell people, whether you know it or not, <laughs> whether you believe it or not, or whether you like it or not, God loves you completely. Completely. There is no disappointment in the Father concerning you. Now, if you can believe that, you'll get a picture of the love of God. If you can't believe it, your heart has never been astonished with the truth. See, most of us think that our position before the Father is based on us. No wonder we live intimidated. No wonder we're afraid. No wonder we like to hide. No wonder we're never honest with ourselves. But see, your position before the Father is not based on you. Your position before the Father is based on the Son. That's why I love the pictures of the cross you have on the screen coming. It gives you a reminder of what Jesus has done. And that's part of the astonishing view of God's view of you. It's always through the Lamb. It's the same picture in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. Even under the law, when the sinner, who was going to be judged for their sin, they could go before the priest with a sacrifice. But when they stood before the priest in the Old Covenant with the, the lamb, for example, the priest never inspected the sinner. The priest inspected the lamb. And the lamb was inspected 
the sinner was accepted. See, you're good to God and it has nothing to do with you. If you can believe that, suddenly your heart will be strangely warmed. See, why do you think the disciples on the road to Emmaus, their hearts were strangely warmed by the way this one walking with them was preaching? Because he was preaching word pictures from the law, from Moses, in Psalms it says. But he was preaching concerning himself. It was Jesus walking with them in Luke 24. And he was preaching word pictures from an old system to reveal the new system. And the Bible said they testified their heart was strangely warm. Now you're getting close to the treasure when your heart begins to thaw. From its cold callousness, its calculations, the manipulations and all the conniving of our lives. But when you hear something that is absolutely so astonishing, like you got to be kidding me. They still didn't get it. So Jesus stopped. And it says he broke bread. He gave him the cup. He had communion. Then the Bible said their eyes were open and they knew him and he was gone. See, Jesus' great joy for you is not to see him in his life, but to see him in his death. It's in his death through the cross you find your life. When you see Jesus in his life, you can know God is good to you. But when you see Jesus in his death, you can know that you are good to God. Your acceptance before the Father is all based on the Lamb. This is a picture of love. Love is demonstrated only through the death of Jesus in its full capacity, not in the life of Jesus. God demonstrated his love toward us, not while we were good, but while we were bad, rotten, good for nothing, losers. Christ died for us. That's what the Bible says, Romans 5. Love is displayed. Love is demonstrated in the death of Jesus. And this is the treasure. This is why your heart has to be absolutely consumed with the treasure. Otherwise, you'll never see what you have. And you'll never know who you are. And you'll always live fraudulently. You'll never buy into the truth of who God says you are in your redeemed innocence. Do you know that your sin has been forgiven by God? Do you know that your sin has been forgotten by God? Do you know that your sin has been judged on Jesus and will never be judged in you? Now your sin in the earth will be judged among men and you'll pay a price for it. And it will open the door for the devil and hell to have a heyday. But before the Father, Jesus has got you covered. If you can come and rest in Him and take your place in the love of the Father, you will be so equipped where sin never has dominion because grace, the favor, the unmerited goodness and sufficiency of God will dominate every time. But you've got to be enthralled and thrilled and overwhelmed because it's this joy of the treasure of Jesus that moves you. Now let me explain. Are you glad you're here? Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Amen. This is good news. And you got to, you know, I got to apologize because sometimes I just get a little goofy happy. I'm thrilled with the love of the Father. It's what I have to proclaim. You know, my life assignment is found in Romans 1, 11 and 12. It says, I long to see that I might impart to you spiritual gifts. It's the term charisma. The grace of God. 
the full finished work of what Jesus has done. I have to announce it. It will encourage people. That's why I believe everybody who ever hears the gospel when it's fully proclaimed through the finished work of Christ, they can't help but be happy. Amen. They're encouraged. And they're strengthened. See, your strength is never found in you. The strength is always found in Him. Amen. It strengthens you. It encourages you and it triggers your faith. Your faith works. Your faith functions. You have a mutual faith. You begin to cooperate with the Lord. You begin to walk with Him and respond to the things He writes on your heart. It's really a beautiful thing. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, real quick, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 44. Jesus is telling a parable about a hidden treasure. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Everybody say treasure. Treasure. I don't know about you, but I like treasure. You all like treasure? I, I like treasure. But see, to me, treasure isn't just something that's costly. You know, most people think of treasures like, you know, the queen's jewels in England or something. I mean, they're nice to see. They're cool, but... You know, they don't move me. I, I, I could care less about it. What, what, a treasure is something that captures your heart. Right now, I, I have a treasure of my oldest granddaughter smiling. I, I, I carry it with me. I, I woke up today and I said to my wife, I said, you know, I wonder how the little dupers is doing. I call her Super Duper Abigail. So <laughs> I gave her a nickname called Dupers. You know, no, no kid's ever been called Dupers before. But I said to Heidi... I said, I wonder how my little dupers is doing. She's my super duper Abigail. So Heidi, she always gets out her phone and shows me these pictures or these little videos. And I just smile. It's a treasure. Now, it may not do nothing for you, and that's okay. It doesn't move your heart the same way mine. Because, you know, it's like I have little drawings in my, my uh, desk in my office of my little boys. Now, my boys are older. They're 28 and 26. But my, my, uh, when they were this big... And they wrote little things to their dad from, from me, drew, drew little pictures. Now, you wouldn't give a nickel for it at a yard sale. But I wouldn't sell it to you for nothing. It's a treasure. See, do you have anything in your heart relating to the Father that moves you? Or are you just religious? Or do you just have like routine? Do you just try to do things to soothe your heart to make you feel that, okay, if I go to church or if I do this or if I do that... I'm good with God. Don't, don't, don't put yourself in your equation. Keep yourself out of the equation because your goodness to God has nothing to do with you. It has to do with Jesus. Get enthralled with the cross. Get overwhelmed with what Jesus has done. Let your heart be absolutely saturated and moved with the love of God. Now, here's something that's kind of cool in this verse in Luke 13, verse 44. Again, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's hidden in a field. And a man found the treasure, and he hid the treasure again. And for the joy over the treasure, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Notice this guy makes an acquisition of property, but he never appraised the value of the property. We would say that guy's crazy. If you want to go buy a house today, you'll probably want to get uh, comps in the area. You'll want to do every kind of calculation to make sure you're not getting ripped off. You'll want to appraise the value of the substance of what is natural. This guy didn't. He didn't give a rip 
about if he was getting a good deal or not for the land because he wasn't buying the property for the land. He was buying the property for the treasure. See, the treasure is what has to move you. I always try to explain to people when they hear about different campuses like Beirut and different things around the world that we're doing. I remember when I was buying Lebanon property, some people thought I was crazy. And there were moments I thought I was crazy, you know. There were moments I thought I completely lost my mind. And then I got really nervous because I was paying too much money. And I'd get really depressed. Keith, you're crazy. You're spending way too much money. And the only way I could deliver myself from myself in my thinking was to get my mindset out of appraising the value of the campus in appraising the value of the treasure. See, the treasure is the ministry of the grace of the love of the Father displayed to the hearts of the people happening there. And now when you see the videos and you see the place jam-packed in hundreds and hundreds of Muslim people and Hezbollah people and people trained and growing. And now when I'm there in a, a week from, uh, in, in two weeks when I'm there, you know, when you see all these precious people being captivated by the love of God, all I do is smile. Say, God, I don't know how in your economy you're absolutely amazing that you could lead just a little, a little country boy that absolutely is clueless. But the only way God could do it is because he got me thrilled Amen. about a treasure. Hallelujah. And this is the way I begin to manage my life. This is the, begin, the way I manage my world. This is the, begin, the way I, I, I manage uh, decisions relationally. Even dealing with hard situations relationally is always putting my appraisal on the value of the treasure or the work of God in the heart and life of a person. And so I want to encourage you today to get thrilled and excited about the value of the treasure. The value of the treasure move these people. Let me ask you, has anything recently moved you? Is it anger that moves you? Is it fear that moves you? Is it insecurity that moves you? Is it, you know, just your reputation to protect it move you? What what, what moves you? You know, when you think of the decisions you make in your life and with your family and in your world, you know, if you're not moved by the value of the treasure, you're you're having things that are going to confuse your worldview. And you're going to miss the mark of what God has for you. I want you to be so astonished with what Jesus has done that you're moved and it it does something thrilling for you. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. This is the great story when Jesus was born. Remember I said the treasure of Jesus is not just the treasure of Jesus in his life, which shows you that God is good to you, but it's knowing the treasure of Jesus in his death, which shows you that you are good to God. See, most people don't even know God's good to them. Most people who think, you know, of Christians or Christianity, they always think God's going to get you. You know, God's going to judge you. And that's why a lot of people in our world don't want to have anything to do with a Christian because we've been branded as people that God's always going to judge them and get them. And so people always think, my goodness, I can't qualify. I'd rather just stay at a distance than be up close because who wants to come up close if you're going to be walloped? You know what I mean? I remember, uh, you know, when I was growing as a young boy, my father, when he was in a bad mood, he was in like a real bad mood. And he wasn't like what you call a sanctified sort of a person. He was he he was he was he was somewhat grumpy, you know. And uh, I remember there were times when I knew my dad was in a bad mood and he'd come home. Do you think I went up close and gave him a hug, said, hey, dad, how you doing? 
No, you know what, you know what this guy did? This guy was in the backyard at the farthest corner waiting until I heard the dinner bell. You know, that it's safe kind of to come in and then you just kind of sit tentatively around the table because you knew my father was angry. But see, your heavenly father's exhausted every bit of anger on Jesus Christ concerning you. There's no anger from the father, no frustration from the father concerning you, even in your worst state, even in your poorest decisions. Grace and mercy can triumph. All you have to do is know how to believe it and receive it. And this is what the disciples found out, or actually the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now remember, these are Jewish shepherds. The Jewish people had a covenant with God, the first covenant. It was exclusively for them. They were considered the insiders, not the outsiders. But their effectiveness and favor from the Father always came when they could obey perfectly all the law. So if they did good, they got good. So it was a good deal in in a sense in that way. But it was a bad deal because if they couldn't perform perfectly, then the Bible says there was the curse of the law that was active in their midst. And what a bummer that is. So that means the blessing of God was still dependent on them. And so when the angels are watching, or the, the, the angels show up to these shepherds, they're living out in the field watching their flock by night. Verse 9 says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Why do you think they were afraid? Why do you think they wanted to go to the back corner of the property and wait for the dinner bell? Because they knew they couldn't qualify. Amen. They, they knew they're not good enough. They knew God is mad. God's going to get you. I don't blame them. I'd go to the back corner too. It's overwhelming. I'll never be good enough based on me. I've stopped trying to qualify. I've learned the truth. I'm pre-qualified. Through the wonderful love of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now look at this. It goes on to say then. Verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. For I bring you good tidings of great joy. Which shall be to all people. I love that phrase. See, the good news is for everyone everywhere. Whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, or whether they like it or not. And the good news is all based on the one Jesus who's coming, the Savior. The next verse goes on to say, verse 11, For there's born to you, born to you, born to you. Everybody say, born to me. Uh, Turn to your neighbor and say, born to you too, good looking. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, most, most, see, most people never personalize the gospel. Most people just trying to slide to get in and say, Dear God, I hope it works. You know what I mean? <laughs> because most people know in and of themselves they can't qualify. But there's good news. It's a Savior, Jesus Christ. And He's been born for you. He's been born to you. And it says, He's born to you a Savior who's Christ the Lord. And this is going to be the sign to you. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a major. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory, glory, glory. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, on earth, on earth, there's going to be peace. There's going to be goodwill toward me. Notice the description the angels gave is God's not mad about you. 
See, it changed the world. And now see, that's a treasure. Revelation of Jesus is a treasure. Revelation of Jesus is where faith starts and where faith ends. He starts it. He finishes it. It's all about him. So the announcement about Jesus as a savior, proving that God is not mad at you. But he's mad about you. He's mad about you. His love is displayed through the one who has come to change everything. There's peace now from God. There's goodwill from God. And it's toward you. It's toward you. It's from heaven toward you. So verse 15 says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. You know what these shepherds did? In a moment time, their heart was captivated by a treasure. Just like the parable, the guy who saw the treasure in the field, it made him go away with joy and be creative to get wealth to buy a whole field that the field he never appraised. He only knew the value of treasure. See, the treasure makes you do crazy things. The treasure moves you. The treasure is astonishing. The treasure shocks you. The treasure is like, you got to be kidding me. It's, it's like Pastor Tom read in that text in some, it's too good to be true sort of news. It's like I'm in a dream. I'm in a fog. It's like, wow. It's magnificent. So the same way the shepherds started in fear and with treasure they ended in faith. And faith moved them to a place of worship. See, they didn't have to change a thing about themselves except their worldview about the treasure. Don't be disappointed with you. Don't try to fix you with you. You're just not that good. Get astonished with the treasure. Get thrilled with Jesus. Look to the Lamb. Look to the cross and think, you've got to be kidding me. This morning, today, when I know what a rascal I've been, I'm good to God. Exactly. That's the gospel. Jesus in his life shows you that God is good to you. It was just announced. But Jesus in his death shows you that you are good to God. The blood has changed everything. Give the Lord a shout of praise, somebody. It's wonderful news. It's wonderful, wonderful news. You know, the, the wise men, they had the same type of astonishment. You know, a couple years later... and. They saw it in the heavens. Do the heavens ever astonish you? Can you ever just sit outside at night? Heidi and I in our home, we, I have a little balcony. It's not very big. It's about four feet by six feet. We have a two-story house. and In our bedroom, I, sometimes when I'm really hot. When you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know. Sometimes I go out on the little balcony and I, I lay on a little, uh, like a little bedroll. I just look to the heavens. Look to the stars. And I be loved. I say, God, you're, you're absolutely astonishing me. That you would take time for a little old gospel preacher like me. That you would... In your view of me, see me now for me. That you would see me in Christ. 
I get overwhelmed with the treasure. Amen. The wise guys did the same thing. And they saw the significance in the sky through the star. And they came and they saw Jesus and they worshipped him. And they poured out treasure. You know, when, you, when you're astonished at Jesus and his acceptance of you, it makes you do crazy things. You become the most gregarious, hilarious giver. You change your whole worldview about life because you've been stunned by the massive love of God. So the wise guys evaluated the treasure. The two guys on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24. It's amazing. Walking with Jesus. Their hearts were warmed. And they were thrilled. When Jesus broke the bread. They saw it. They saw they were good to God. And Jesus split. Jesus has great joy when you let him love you. When you let his work be your work. When you call yourself good to God because of him. That's faith. It takes faith to say that. It takes faith to believe that. And that's why faith is scary. You know, (laughs) grace is scary because it has nothing to do with you. You know, if you can walk in faith, you've been delivered from yourself. If you can walk in the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, and be though like you're in a dream and call it true, you've been delivered from yourself. Most, Most people love God with conditions. Most people say, yeah, well, by grace you're saved, but to stay saved is up to you. What a bummer. What a bummer. Jesus is the start and the finish of everything. And when you can rest in his love, he'll carry you all the way along. Your heart can cooperate all the way along. And I tell you what, he'll put you in a place of complete liberty and complete freedom. That's just the way he does things and he does it very well. Go with me in the Bible, if you would please, to Luke chapter 15. Being astonished at the treasure... Look at this. This is kind of cool. Verse 1 of Luke 15. The Bible says, Then all the tax collectors and all the good old boy sinners, and the good old girl sinners. How many know about any of the good old boys and the good old girls? Any of y'all? Yeah. How many of you were or are a good old boy? I'm a good old boy, really. I, I know my frailty. I'm well acquainted with me. Very well acquainted. Look at this. Jesus... It says, he drew near to Jesus. They drew near to Jesus to hear him. I I, I think this is the most beautiful compliment to the life of anybody who's a Christian. Anybody who's in the ministry. Where the sinners, the people that are judged and outcast and told they're rotten and good for nothing. I love when they'll gather around me. You know when I'm in the Middle East, the precious good old boys gather around me. Oh, yeah, we have good old Middle Eastern talkie, uh, coffee. We talk about life. And I share with them their love completely. The God of heaven and earth, the one who knows all things, made us all. He's got nothing on you. 
He sees these good old boys sit there like in astonishment. Say, man, I, I need another drink. Hallelujah. I need. Huh? Listen, we got to astonish people with the love of the Father. We got to show people what the cross has done. So faith can come and they can say, yes, be it unto me. I receive the love of God. They put their faith in the one and their transformation will come. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The transformation will come. It may not come quick enough for you, but it's not up to you. It comes quick enough for the Father. Are you fully, perfectly transformed? I know Heidi is my wife, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> no, we're all growing. We're all, we're all trusting the Lord. He's the one who does it all. So it says, Jesus, all the sinners, all the tax, drew near to Jesus to hear him. Verse 2, and the Pharisees, the religious stewards of the law. The ones who would nitpick you to pieces with judgment. To make sure you did enough and qualified enough and paid tithe of your, of your spices. Huh? Look what they did. They complained. You know, religious people don't like that type of camaraderie. Religious people don't like to be too close to somebody who's so weak. But I tell you what. Jesus stated his position. And he took the complaint. He took the judgment. He took the judgment of, of, of religious people. This, they, said, they said, this man, Jesus, he receives sinners and he eats with them. I think it's the highest compliment in ministries when religious people judge you for being too close to people that need Jesus the most. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm ready to take that kind of judgment. Amen. I want to be so thrilled with the sinners of this world to announce to them the to God because I've seen the treasure. I've appraised the value of the finished work. God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He's got nothing on them. So we can say, listen, be reconciled to God. We announce the news. Faith comes. They're thrilled and they receive through believing in the death, burial, and risenness of Jesus Christ. So notice what Jesus did in response to judgment and criticism. It says in verse 3, So he got on his Facebook account and posted many, many horrible things about the religious world. No, he didn't. It said he told them stories. In fact, if you read all of Luke 15, every parable is a response to judgment. So he gives three parables about the massive love of God that nobody can get. About the lost sheep, about the lost coin, and then about the lost boys. Most people think it's just the lost boy, but Jesus, in the end, gives them a twist just to speak to them. To show them how lost they are and they don't even know it. See, there's a lot of people in the Father's house that are clueless to the love of God. And they live in judgment to anybody who's open to this amazing grace. And I tell you what, precious friend. I want to be so astonished with the love of the Father. That I'm shaken to my core. That I'm so thrilled with being accepted. I can hardly believe it. 
I think about this. Heidi and I, this coming year, we celebrate 30 years of founding mutual faith. And I started in ministry five years prior to that, working with a group of African leaders, full-time ministry since, well, a long time ago, September 1979. But you know what I've learned? I've learned that the love of God in Christ never dries up. Never gets old. Continues to astonish you and thrill you. And it's always the solution. It's always the solution. I want to encourage you today, no matter what you've done wrong, or no matter what you've done right, don't put any confidence in your flesh. Don't put any confidence in you. Rest in God's love for you. Be thrilled, be astonished with the treasure of the finished work of Jesus. Understand that the life of Jesus and all his miracles shows you that God is good to you. But understand that through the cross, the death and the burial and the risenness, it proves that you now are good to God through the act of one. It's through the obedience of one, Romans says, that you're made righteous. It's not even through your obedience. It's through the obedience of one. All you got to do is be astonished at such amazing grace. And be thrilled with the love of the Father. And call His work good for you. Did you like the word today? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Well, I've decided I've cried enough and I've preached enough. Hallelujah. And now I'm hungry. Are you all glad you're here? Give the Lord another shout. Hallelujah. (laughs) God, is that good?